Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week, we began a new series on a topic that I told you is very highly controversial within the confines of the church. And the controversy, um, it's a direct attack by the enemy to bring confusion and misunderstanding to the body of Christ. You see, I told you, the world can care less about this topic. The world can care less. They, they don't even know about this topic. I mean, they, it's really, of, 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 it's not a point of contention with the world. It's a point of contention within the church, between denominations and between different uh, worship styles. And, and, and the controversy is, is brought on within the confines of the church because Satan knows, he understands the power of the church, which is made up of God's people. And he knows that, that when we are moving and operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, that we become very dangerous to, to the kingdom of hell. When we move in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we become dangerous to, to the gates of hell. Amen? The gates of hell are trying to advance against your life right now, trying to advance against your family right now. The gates of hell are trying to ruin your marriage right now. And, and when we operate under the power of the Holy Spirit, we render the gates of hell useless, powerless, because the Holy Spirit is strong. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Amen? Like the Apostle Paul said, I do not want us to be ignorant of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that we should be terrified about. This is not a subject that we need to be concerned with uh, in a negative way. This is something we need to be concerned with and how it operates in our lives. And so I don't want us to be ignorant about this. Last week I told you as we looked at, the, at who the Holy Spirit was, we defined his role. He is God the Holy Spirit. You have God the Father, you have God the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Christ referred to him as our helper and our comforter. So he is our helper. He is our comforter. And, and, and we looked at scriptural support. Um, and, and listen, let, let me say this really quick. If you want to come with me, and nobody has, okay? Um, or at least I don't think. I was out some this week. I wasn't in the office. So if you did, then I wasn't there. But nobody has emailed me. Nobody has, has debated this. If you choose to do something like that, come to me with scripture, because what I'm teaching you right now, I'm, I'm bringing God's word into this. And, and this, this next review point that, that I want to share with you is a point of contention in the church. And I want to make sure that if we are going to debate this at all, that, that we back it up with scripture. And last week I did. We looked at the scriptural support that salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are two different experiences for the believer. And, and on the night that Christ was betrayed and arrested, he made a promise to the disciples. And, and he explains to us that there are two different experiences here. In, in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So Jesus was their helper with these, these, these followers. They were very dependent upon him. He was their helper. And he says, I, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another helper to be with you forever. So this one is not going to be pulled from their life. He's going to, to be with them forever. And he says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. See, the world doesn't acknowledge this because they don't even know about this. It says, he, he said, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. He says, you know him, and here it is, for he dwells with you, that's present tense, and 
will be in you. That's future tense. He says he's, he's, with, he's with you at the moment of salvation. You can't come to God. You can't come to the Father unless the Spirit of God draw you. So he is with you, and he brings about conviction on our hearts. And, 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 but, but Jesus promised us these words. He said he's going to be in you. So the Holy Spirit that, that drew you in is going to baptize you. He's going to be in you. And, and many people... Church, I get it. Trust me. Many people are leery of the Holy Spirit and any teaching on the Holy Spirit because of the dramatic birth of the early church on the day of Pentecost. It was strange. It was weird. You can't explain all of it. And it was very dramatic, but I told you, don't let the dramatic birth keep you from enjoying the gift. Just like having a child, don't let the dramatic birth keep you from enjoying the gift that God gave you because you need the Holy Spirit. It's just that simple. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I do. I need the Holy Spirit. We need him in our daily living. I need him in my daily living. And he is our helper. And if you want to know more about the gifts of the Spirit, uh, I don't have time with this series to, to break each one of them down. But what I am doing is on Wednesday nights, I started this past Wednesday night, on our Facebook page, um, live on Facebook, I am teaching about the gifts of the Spirit. And if you're interested in that, tune in to uh, our Facebook page on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. You can go back and watch this, this past week's episode, and, and I encourage you to do that if you're interested in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Some of you are scared to death right now. You weren't here last week, and you're like, what did I walk into? Stay with me. A young missionary by the name of Herbert Jackson, was given a car to help him in his mission work. And the, the car was a major asset to his ministry. It was, it was a great help, but, but it, it had one difficulty. It, it wouldn't start without either pushing it or jump-starting it. And, and, and as, as great of an asset as it was, this was a big problem uh, for him also. So this young missionary, he devised a system to, to cope with the car's inability to start. And, and when he was ready to leave his home, he lived right next door to a school, and he had worked out a deal where he would go over to one of the teachers, and he would say, can, can you send out some students to push-start my car? And every day they would help him push-start his car. And, and throughout the day, as, as, he, as he traveled around the village and as he went different places doing ministry work, he was always careful to either park his car on, on a hill that way he could you know, put it in neutral, let it start rolling, then pop it into gear for it to start. Or if it was a, a short stay at wherever he was going, he would just leave the car running. And, and so he just devised this, this plan to, to, to be able to use this car. But unfortunately, poor health caused the Jackson family to leave the mission field. And, and a new missionary arrived to lead the mission. And Herbert Jackson it pulled the young missionary aside and he explained to him. He said, listen, we've got a car. So not the best shape, but we've got a car. And, and he explained to him all the methods of, of keeping this car running. He said, listen, go right next door every morning. Ask this teacher. She'll send out some students. And they don't mind. They'll push start the car and, and get us started and, and, and get, get you started. And he said, always park on a hill when you can. He said, it, it'll help you push start the car, pop it into gear. And, and, you know, when you can, leave it running. Leave it running. I know it's a waste of gas, but leave it running. And, and the new missionary took all the information in and then he, he opened the hood and he began inspecting the motor a little bit and, and that's when he said, he said, um, 
Dr. Jackson, he said, I believe the only trouble is this loose cable right here. And he took and he wiggled the cable and, and he twisted a little bit and, and then he went around inside the car, turned the key and it fired right up. For over two years, Dr. Jackson had, had used his own methods and, and endured this needless trouble that, that he could have avoided. The power to start the car was there the whole time. What he needed was the proper connection. Now church, I tell you all of that because this to me, is the best explanation. It, it is the most elementary explanation of why you need the Holy Spirit active in your life. Somebody needs to listen to me today. You need the Holy Spirit active in your life. Without him, you struggle to do life with many mishaps along the way. I've been there. I know what that feels like. But with him, with the Holy Spirit powering your life, you have the right connection to the right source that enables you to live a successful life in the image of Christ. And that's the goal. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit. I, I read an article this, this past week about the Holy Spirit, and, and a question was asked uh, to, to the writer of the article. said, why didn't we just have Jesus... Uh, on earth at the same time at, we had the fullness, the full power of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't that have been beneficial? Why, why couldn't we have that? And, and as I progressed and read through the article, it, it pointed out something that was just, just so, so great. I mean, I, I just I felt like I needed to share it with you, so that's why I'm sharing it with you. And, um, and, and he said in his response, he said, everything that the Holy Spirit does points to the ministry and the work of Christ. Therefore, Christ had to be born, had to live, had to die and be resurrected in order for his full work to be completed. And if the Holy Spirit is going to point everything towards the full work of Christ, then he had to die and be resurrected before the fullness of the Holy Spirit would be available to the church. Makes sense to me. And, and, and so you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is always going to point towards the image of Christ, you cannot become like Christ by yourself. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to look more and more, and we begin to operate more in the power of Christ in our lives. If I may, I want to say something that, that, that's going to challenge you. It's not meant to offend you, I promise. I, I'm not just, this is not for shock value. I'm not just throwing it out there. But, but I want to challenge you because to many people, church has become a balance and their conscience. And, and what I mean by that is they, they live lives that they know are questionable at times. There, there's, there's sin that they allow and they live by in their lives, so they attend church on Sunday in order to get their lives back in alignment with God. That's the mentality. So I, I know I'm going to live this way. I know I'm going to do this. It, it's not the right thing. It's not the holy thing for me to do, but I'm going to go to church on Sunday to kind of balance this out Church should never be used as a balancing act. That's not what we're doing today. This is not a balancing act. Church should be the catalyst that throws us off center toward the image of God. You're here today because we are worshiping Jesus Christ, and we're here today to encourage one another towards good works. We're here to encourage each other to serve the kingdom of God. And so this is not a balancing act for us, church. It's not. This throws us off center, and it projects us and, 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 and points us more towards the things of God. Remember what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 16. He said, he said you're lukewarm. 
He said, I would rather you be hot or cold. And he said, because you're lukewarm, he said, I spew you from my mouth. It makes him sick. He said, I don't want you to be hot or cold. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I would rather you be hot or cold. Now, obviously, the goal here is let us be on fire for God. Amen? And so that's the direction we want to go. But too many people, they are content with playing church rather than being the church. I know I'm stepping on some toes right now. It's all right. It's all right. Do we really believe that God's ultimate dream for our lives is for us to sit in a pew, or in this case, sit in a, in a padded chair in a row, and, and come to church for an hour and 15 minutes, and who am I kidding? I'm going to preach at least an hour. No, I'm just kidding. It, you're going to be here for a little bit longer than that today. But, but is God's ultimate goal for us to show up here, sing a few songs together, listen to, to me preach or whoever's preaching, and then that's, that's the extent of the Christian walk? That's, that's not it at all. In no way, shape, or form, church, is this spiritual maturity. This is not the barometer of discipleship. This, this is not how we, how we judge that. Christianity is not meant to be safe. It's not meant to be comfortable. But yet so many of us operate in, in, in this, this, the comforts of Christianity and, and, and we try and, and, and just stay safe. It's like, man, I've been saved from hell. Now let me protect myself as much as I can and let's not take a chance at all. You're either like really glued in right now or I'm boring you to death, okay? I know that. Walk in this assurance that you are safe from sin, but be careful not to become comfortable in your sin. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. I've said this before and I will continue saying it. You don't have to change one thing about your life. You can be the dirtiest, the rankest of all sinners, and you don't have to change one thing in your life for, for Christ to love you. You don't have to change anything for Jesus to love you. But you do have to change to love him back. And that's what he's called us to do. God wants that relationship with us, and he wants us to express our love back to him. And, and so we do that by allowing the Holy Spirit to bring about change in our lives. Now, when it comes to God's purpose for your life, you must not remain safe and comfortable. God's purpose for you is greater than your ability to perform. Whatever God's purpose is for you, you cannot accomplish it under your own ability and your own power. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help you fulfill God's purpose for your life. First of all, to be made in the image of Christ. You have to have the Holy Spirit to be made into the image of Christ. And so we should be praying, Lord, you fill me with your spirit over and over. You should wake up every morning and pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to be reading from, from John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And, and Jesus continued defining the promise, um, this promise of the Holy Spirit to his disciples on the night that he was arrested. And, and this is what we refer to as the final discourse of Christ. It's, it's four or five chapters here in the book of John where it starts in an upper room and at the Last Supper, and Jesus just, he just starts laying out there. He knows, this is my last night with these guys in this type of setting. And, and, and he just starts laying it out there. And so for four or five chapters here, he just kind of lays it out there. It, it progresses. It, eventually, he leaves that room, and he walks through a vineyard, and they kind of follow along with him. And he's just, he's just laying it all out there. And he's, he's, he's really trying to get the kingdom of God in them. He, he's trying his best to get them to understand this. And so as he continues defining the promise of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, listen to what he says here in verse 7. He 
says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, now here's, here's, here's what he's going to do. Here's what the Holy Spirit, the helper, here's what he's going to do. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This is the part that we're scared of. We're scared of that conviction. We, we want to blame it on other things. We want to blame it on manifestations of the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. That, that's not what we're afraid of. We're more afraid of having to change something about our lifestyle. And, and he says when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Listen, Satan has already been judged. He's just not walking that out right now for us to see. He has been judged. He knows his destiny, and all he's trying to do is keep you from reaching your destiny. Verse 12 Jesus continues, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he, he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So see, the, the spirit of God is always going to point back to Jesus, always. But Jesus made a, a statement, and he made it very plain to his disciples. And when I say it, it's going to bother some of you. But it's not my words. I didn't say this. I'm just relaying the message. It's in red in my Bible. Jesus said these words, and, and here's, here, here's what he was telling them. He said, the Holy Spirit inside of you is more advantageous than Jesus beside you. Let that sink in. That bothers you. I know it does. He said, the Holy Spirit inside of you is more advantageous for you than Jesus beside you. Jesus in the flesh right here. These disciples, they had him for three, three and a half years right beside them. And he says, it, it, it is important. It is expedient. It, it is necessary for me to go to the Father, because if I go to the Father, if I don't go to the Father, the, 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 the helper can't come. You need the helper. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need him in your life. And of course, the disciples, they did not understand this. Like some of you right now, you don't get it. You don't get it. And, 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 and they were losing. They were losing their rabbi. They were losing their teacher. They were using their mentor. And, and more than any of that, they were losing their friend. They had done life with him for, for over three years. And, and, and now he, he's, he's talking crazy about it. He, he's got to go away. And if, if he goes, an, another helper is going to come and give them power. And, and this bothered them because they wanted him to set up his kingdom here. Now, if, if, if he's going to sit on the throne of David, we want him to do that now. Let's get these Gentiles, these Romans, let's get them out of our land. Jesus, we need you to set up your kingdom here, now, in this moment. And, and, and that's what they wanted. It, it, it was a serious, serious concern for these disciples. As a matter of fact, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they approached Jesus and they, they have this conversation with him. And they said, hey, when, when you sit on your throne, when, when you set up your kingdom, We've been hearing this talk, and there's supposed to be like 12 other little, like mini thrones. He said, 
can, can I sit on your right and my brother sit on your left? Can, can we go ahead and get that assurance right now? When you're sitting on your throne, can one of us sit on your right and the other one sit on your left? It got so serious that they even got their mom involved and, and she asked Jesus. She said, listen, when, when you come into your kingdom, can one of my son, can, can one of them sit on your right and the other one sit on your left? And this ticked the other disciples off. They weren't ticked off because they asked for this favor. They were ticked off because they asked first. They wanted the same seats. They wanted, they, they wanted position in, in the kingdom of God. And, and, and let me just stop here just for a moment because this, this is the problem so many times with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and, and the way that it's been viewed in so many churches. It's, it's because it, we, we look at it as give me power, give me authority. Give me a voice. And, and, and that's not it at all. You see, the Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ. And, and Christ came to serve. And, and so we just start pointing the fingers back at ourselves. And, and it, it becomes, oh, look at me. Look at me. Look what I can do. And, and trust me, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I do wholeheartedly. But, but I also know that with it, when they're not done the right way, when they are not handled in the right spirit, when a person is wanting the attention on themselves, it does more damage than it does good. Ooh. These disciples, they get upset with Mama Zebedee and her sons, James and John. The disciples, all of them, James, John, and the other ten, they were not ready to change the world. And we are down to the nitty-gritty. This is where the rubber meets the road. Christ is about to be betrayed arrested and crucified. The spread of the gospel, which would later benefit you and I, the spread of the gospel hangs in the balance. And, and, and he needs them to be world changers, but man, they are not ready to change the world. They would ask these dumb things like, like can we sit on your right and your left? And this guy's about to give his life, and they're concerned about who, who's going to be in the right position. And there had to be moments when Jesus would just look up to heaven, and he's like, Father, are you sure? These morons, are you sure? You want to leave this, the good news, you want to leave it in their hands, in their care? Because they weren't ready for it. I wonder sometimes if he says the same thing about us. Because they were no more called than we are to go and make disciples, to spread the good news. And I wonder sometimes if he, if he looks at us and he says, man, why? Why did we put it in your hands? You dropped the ball. Why? The truth is this. He looked at those disciples and he looks at us and he knows that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are more than capable. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't operate under our own ability. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, but when his, when his righteousness is applied to our lives, we are more than capable of spreading the good news of Jesus. We are more than capable of looking like Christ, but we've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And these disciples, they were scared because they had not yet received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so later that evening when Christ was arrested... They scattered. 
They denied their relationship to him. Nobody, nobody wants to be associated with him. And they had Jesus right beside them for over three years. And they were cowards when it came down to their relationship with him when it mattered the most. And I look at, I look at our lives sometimes and, and I wonder. Our mentality is kind of like this. We've accepted him. And who he is, Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. We are content in our salvation, but we are powerless in our presentation. And he didn't call us to be a weak church. He didn't call you to be a weak Christian. That personal revival that I was talking about earlier that it starts with me, all of those struggles that you continue to carry through your life, all of those things that you continue to battle, those, those habits and the lifestyle that you can't get away from, all of that stuff that, that, that you know, you know it's not holy. I'm afraid sometimes that we're just content in our salvation and we're not worried about the, the power of the presentation and we need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. Let, let, me, let me tell you this, because I really thought about it a lot this week as I've just reminisced about my own relationship with the Holy Spirit through the years. When, when I was in high school, in, the, in my early high school years, I struggled with my walk with Christ. It was a battle. I had two sets of friends. I had my church friends, and when I went to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, I hung out with my church friends because my school friends weren't there. These were, you know, I was made to go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday, and that's the problem with some of your kids is you need to start making them go to church. I didn't expect a lot of amens right there. Nobody likes being told how to parent, but everybody likes bringing their kids to you when they got problems with them. I was made to go to church. No choice. And I'd go to church and I had my church friends. But on Monday morning, I would go to school and I had my school friends. And I hung out with them at school. And on Friday and Saturday night, I got into trouble with them and I did things I shouldn't be doing hanging out with these friends. We're not going to get into all that, okay? Because there's some students in the room that are going to be like, see, Pastor Rocky did it and look how he turned out. It's by the grace of God I turned out the way I did and it's by the grace of God I'm not dead. Church friends, school friends, and never shall the two meet. No, 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 no. That was two different worlds. I had to act one way at church, and I acted a completely different way at school. And hanging out with these friends. But I reached this point to where I would hear the, the, the message of, of Christ preached. I would, I, would, I would hear about his mercy and I'd hear about his grace and his forgiveness. And I would, I would hear about living a life that's holy and presentable unto God. And, and conviction, the Holy Spirit would, would, would convict my heart. And, and even as, as, as a young teenager, I, I would feel the Holy Spirit drawing me to a closer walk with God. And, and, and I, would, I would hit my knees, man. I would go to the altar. I, I, I would hear the word, and, and I would lay in my bed at night, and I would be like, 
man, tomorrow's going to be a different day. I'm changing my life. Now listen, it was sincere. It was sincere. I knew the Holy Spirit was convicting me, and I knew that I needed to change. And, and I had all the intentions to do that. It, they were good intentions, and they were sincere. And I just, I just I knew that I needed to, to give up a lifestyle. And, but, but the next day would hit, and I'd go to school, and I'd get around these friends instead of hanging out with these friends. And I would get around these friends, and, 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 and I would just start talking like they're talking, using language I shouldn't use, making plans for the weekend that I shouldn't be making, and it was this like gravitational pull. I just couldn't stay away from them and, 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 and stay over here. And, and it was like I was always being pulled over here. And then I would get home and, and late at night after partying and I would just say, God, I don't know why, why I can't do this. I want to do it. I want to live for you. I, I, it was, listen, don't dismiss a 13, 14, 15-year-old prayer. Please, please don't. I knew that there was a calling on my life and I knew that I needed to make some serious changes. But this was so appealing, so appetizing, I couldn't give this up. And I would go back to church and, and man, the Holy Spirit would convict me and I would repent and then I would go back to school or go back to the to hanging out with these friends and, and man, I would fall. And I just, I didn't have the power and I just started giving up. I was like, God, what, what am I doing wrong? I can't do this. And then one Wednesday night, a youth pastor that, that, thank God, thank God that he didn't judge me. Thank God that, that, that he spoke truth to me when I needed someone to speak truth to me. He loved me and he cared for me. And one Wednesday night, he preached on the power of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. And at the end of that message that night, I prayed and I said, Lord, if there's power for living... I make myself available right now to your Holy Spirit. And I prayed, fill me, Lord. Fill me right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me. Now listen, I, am, I'm, I, I don't want you to question my salvation. I loved Jesus. I knew who Jesus was. But man, I couldn't get it right until this night. And I prayed, Lord, baptize me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And, and, and that night, I, I remember thinking, I received salvation by faith. Tonight, I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit by faith. I'm going to believe that he has filled me. And since that night, my life has never been the same because he baptized me in the Holy Spirit that night and with power. And, and, and a lifestyle change happened for me that night, and I have never gone back. And it set me up for the purpose of God to be fulfilled in my life. Acts chapter 2. I want you to go to Acts chapter 2. I'm going I'm to fly through this so, we can, so, so that we can get done. Acts chapter 2. In, in my office, I thought about this this morning. In my office, I've got a complete set of basketball cards, 1989 hoops. It's the first year hoops basketball cards came out. And, and recently, there were some people in my office, and I reached over to the shelf. I keep them in a binder, and all these cards are in these, these plastic sleeves, and I pulled the, the binder off my shelf and I began looking through them and all the pages are stuck together. It just, they haven't been opened in years and all, all the, the pages are stuck there together. So when you're pulling them apart, I mean, it's just pulling that plastic apart. Acts chapter 2. 
If you're from a Baptist background, those are the pages that are set together in your Bible from lack of use. <laughs> if you're from a Pentecostal background, those are the pages that resemble a four-year-old's coloring book. They, you, you've like highlighted every page with every color possible, coloring outside the lines into the margins because you've had all this revelation about it, okay? I'm joking with both groups right now. Kind of. We ended last week with the dramatic birth of the early church. And up until that moment, there was not a church. There, wasn't, there were Jewish synagogues. But up until this moment, the church, the body of Christ had not yet been birthed. Just a few weeks earlier, Jesus stood the most evil city in the known world and he told his disciples... He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He was telling them that the church was about to be birthed. However, on the night that he was betrayed and arrested, it seemed like the gates of hell were intimidating the disciples. It felt like the gates of hell were advancing against this movement that we call Christianity. It was a rough night. We read about it, and we know the outcome of the story, okay? We know he's, he's going to be resurrected. They didn't know this. This was a bad night. This was a, a bad ending to a good run. And, and, and Jesus, just weeks earlier, he stood in that evil city of Caesarea Philippi, and he predicted the birth of the church. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And up until this moment, it was just the Messiah and Jesus Christ and some of his followers. That was it. That's, that's all that it was. After his death and resurrection, Jesus appeared to over 500 people. 500 people saw him alive. 500 people were, were witnesses to, to a resurrected man. He, he was dead, but now he was alive. Over 500 people. Only 120 of those, only 120 women and men waited in an upper room as Jesus instructed them to do. He said, go and wait. And while they were waiting, this is important for some of you, okay? While they're waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that they still conducted business. They went into this upper room and... and, and Peter kind of takes charge. As a matter of fact, the conversation about you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, he tells him, you're going to be a, a, a key figure in this. I'm going to use you, Peter. I'm going to gift you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit, and you are going to be a key figure in all this. Peter takes lead of the meeting in the upper room while they're waiting on the Holy Spirit and, and explains that Judas was allotted uh, his share in the ministry of Jesus, and so he tells them a replacement is necessary and, 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 and they begin to choose. They start the process of choosing a replacement, and they actually do. Before they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they choose a replacement for him. And, and for those of you that don't care about organized religion, and there is a, a, a widespread movement right now that's trying its best to, to devalue organized religion, you might want to get a better understanding of the early church and how it operated because it was very organized. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that our God is a God of order. 
And they conducted business. They went around about business as usual for the ministry of Christ. And, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled them. And th- these people, these men and women, 120 of them, they walk out into the streets of Jerusalem. And they're speaking in other languages, proclaiming the mighty works of God. And people from all over, um, from other countries that have made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they hear the good news of Christ in their own native language. And the Bible says that many of them were amazed and perplexed. But then there were some of them that just thought, man, these people are drunk. They're intoxicated. They've lost their minds. They're crazy. Listen to what they're saying. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. This is an impromptu message, a sermon. It's the first one that he preaches. He says, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Now understand, the Jewish day starts at 6 a.m. So it's only like 9 a.m. It's 9 in the morning, and he's looking at them saying, they're not drunk, it's way too early for that. Verse 16, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So he reaches back into the Old Testament and he begins quoting the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Listen to this. This is for us. Listen. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Somebody's got to start speaking some truth over your home. Don't you shy away from prophesying over your home. You need to speak some life into your home. He goes on to testify of the resurrected Jesus and that anyone who calls on his name shall be saved. He told them that what they were witnessing in that moment was the promise from the prophet Joel being fulfilled before their very eyes. Listen to verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. The crowd, the people that have gathered around, it touches them. They are cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Let me tell you something, man of God, woman of God, when you let the Holy Spirit start working through your life and you become empowered with the Holy Spirit and you start speaking that truth and you start speaking that life over your home, at some point, at some point, it's going to sink in. You've been preaching to them, you've been nagging them, you've been doing everything you possibly could to get them to realize the error of their ways. And and, and you know, without the power of the Holy Spirit, it just becomes like a clanging symbol because there's no love, there's no grace, there's no mercy with it. But man, when you are empowered with the Holy Spirit in your life, when you receive that power, suddenly your words begin to change. You begin to to talk different. You begin to portray the message differently. And at some point, they're going to look at you and, and they're going to say, what shall we do? This is touching. What you're saying to me is penetrating my heart. What, what do I do with this? And verse 38 says, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. Listen to what he says. For the promise is for you and for your children. And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, that includes every one of us. 
Verse 40, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. How many of you want your children saved from this crooked generation? Amen? How many of you want your spouses saved from this crooked generation? Amen? He says, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls 120 through the power of the holy spirit guys that's not addition to a church that's multiplication it exploded and there was a drastic difference that took place in the lives of the disciples after the day of pentecost men that 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 scattered in fear when christ was arrested and men that were denying their relationship with him all of a sudden, through the power of the Holy Spirit, they become bold and courageous. Th these religious rejects were now on the threshold of changing the world. In, in a day when the average person never traveled, uh, on average, 35-mile radius, a 35-mile radius uh, away from their home, these men were empowered to risk their lives by going to the four corners of the ancient world. You don't think the Holy Spirit makes a difference in someone's life? I don't even know Christ. After the day of Pentecost, they're willing to give their lives for Christ. And only one thing had changed. They received the promise of the Holy Spirit. Amen. According to the third century historian Eusebius, he, he, he told us that Peter sailed to Italy to share the gospel of Christ. John went to Asia. James, one of the sons of Zebedee, he traveled as far as Spain and remember doubting Thomas that, that upon the reports that Christ had been raised from the dead, he said, I won't believe it until I see, until I can touch the nail-scarred hands, until I can feel where they pierced his side. He said, I won't believe it. Doubting Thomas, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he went all the way to India to preach about Jesus. You don't think that the Holy Spirit changes a person's life? You don't think the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit changes a believer's life? A life th these disciples, they tapped into their purpose by allowing the Holy Spirit to take control of their lives. One sermon, one sermon, 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ. That's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then as we read through the book of Acts, it's, it's Acts of the Apostles. Okay, that's... that's it's their acts through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Here's what God used them to do. Acts of the apostles. They begin witnessing healings and, and salvations. And they begin ministering to others and teaching them that they too need the, the promise of the Holy Spirit operating in their lives. Because the promise of the Holy Spirit living in them, it proved to be a difference maker. Because it was power. And, and, and I don't have time to get into this today, but I'm just kind of planting this seed. I'm just feeling very bold today in the Holy Spirit. So you know, whatever, um, they, they begin to plant churches in other regions. They begin to plant churches. And this, this is great. This is wonderful. Man, Friday afternoon, I was so thankful that me and Pastor Andrew and Pastor Scott didn't have to go and set up on, on a middle school stage. It hit me this past week. I was just like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But as comfortable as this is, and as long as we waited for this, church, this is just our ministry center. We will not stop. And the Holy Spirit empowered the early church 
to begin planting other churches and other regions, fulfilling the Great Commission. Listen to what Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now that word power there in the Greek, it's the Greek word dunamis. dunamis. And it's where we get the English word dynamite from. Now, now think about this. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive dunamis, dynamite. It's explosive power. And, and when you have explosive power, the explosive power of God working in your life, there is no way that the gates of hell can advance against a church that has dunamis power. There's no way. Church, as long as we seek the Holy Spirit and his guidance, there is not a force in hell that can stop this movement. Amen. But I want to make it personal. When you have an individual That puts a priority on having a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. When you have an individual that has dunamis, explosive power operating in their life through the power of the Holy Spirit. The gates of hell cannot advance against that person. And the reason why some of you are struggling... Is because you have yet to open up your life. You're comfortable in your salvation. But you haven't opened up your life to the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. You've got to become hungry for it. You've got to desire that more than you want the desires of the world. And you, you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit because he brings conviction and he shows us how to become more like Christ. And so this week, he may have you working on this habit. And once he leads you into truth and righteousness there, then he will move on to the next area of your life. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He, everything points to Christ. And he wants to do a work in your life to make you more like Christ. And so it's a beautiful relationship whenever we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. It, it continues to grow us and to make us more like Christ. And the reason why some of you, you can't lay aside some of that stuff is because you haven't invited the, the Holy Spirit to invade your space, to invade your life, to, to baptize you in his authority and in his power. With Jesus alongside them, they witnessed God in the flesh. They could see his purpose. I mean, he explained it to them. This is the reason why I'm here. They knew his purpose. But when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was now in them, now they had explosive purpose in Christ. Now, let, me, let me give you a good way to, to kind of understand this. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they reveal the promise. But when you get to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, it reveals the purpose for the Holy Spirit. You don't get the book of Acts without the Holy Spirit. You don't get the spread of the God. It, 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 it stays 
in this small little corner of the world. It it stays in Palestine. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, explosive power, dunamis power, this thing ignited. And it began to spread like wildfire. As men and women began to realize their purpose in the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit will give you the power for living to make you more like Christ, but man, he will empower you with purpose. Scripture tells us where there is no vision, people perish. Some of you feel like you're dying right now. And it's because you don't have vision, you don't have purpose. The Holy Spirit has not ignited that yet in you because you haven't opened your life up to the Holy Spirit. Where there is no purpose, where there is no vision, people perish. And the enemy's got you, got you dead in your religion. And he's fighting you right now on opening up your life to the power of the Holy Spirit because he knows how dangerous you're going to become. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church or the individual that allows the Holy Spirit to operate in their lives. I remember coaching this kid in basketball one year. It was rec league basketball. His name was Zach, and I'm not going to say his last name because some of you will probably know him, but, but Zach was a big kid, big kid. The year before, we had won the championship, and so th- this particular year was a rebuilding year. Some of my, my players moved on. And um, Zach was a big kid, and I was excited. I was, man. I just, you know, I saw his height. I just thought, man, this is going to be a great year, man. I finally got me a kid that's, you know, good size. He might be, he might be one of the tallest in the league, you know. Now, I'm, I'm going to let you in on a secret about me. Don't judge me because I'm judging you. Anytime I see a grown man that's over six feet tall and he tells me that he never played basketball, I just think he's a waste. It's like God gave you height. Why, why wouldn't you do something with it? Well, Zach wasn't quite six feet yet, but he was, he was tall for his age, big kid. And I thought, man, this is just what we need to rebuild this team. Until Zach started dribbling the ball. <laughs> bouncing it off his foot. He was horrible. He couldn't shoot to save his life. I thought, God, why? Why? Why wouldn't you give my son that height? Started working with Zach. And I could tell Zach didn't want to be there. It was almost like his parents made him be there. I started working with Zach trying to help him adapt to the game and, and use his, his physical strength and his size you know, to, to benefit the team. And There's no teaching him how to shoot. He was horrible at shooting. He probably still can't shoot to this day. But he was, he was a big kid, and so I told him, I said, use your arms. When that ball goes up, I want you to box everybody else out. Spread your arms, you spread your legs, and you use your butt, and you push everybody out of that paint. You just you get, them, you get them out of there. You, you just, just as much of a perimeter as you can build, I want you to just push everybody. As soon as the ball leaves the shooter's hands, our team, their team, it doesn't matter. You just you create space right there. You just, just create space. Push everybody else back. And by the end of the year, Zach was a rebounding machine. Now, when he would try and shoot the ball, I would yell from the bench, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. And he would come over, and I'd call timeout, and I was like, Zach, 
It's not your role to shoot. You can't shoot. You're horrible. Watching him shoot free throws was like watching Shaquille O'Neal shoot free throws. It was horrible. And I was just like, you, you don't shoot. You don't shoot. You're here to rebound. And then you give the ball to a shooter. Okay? But that, and I, I bet you by the end of the year, he was leading the league in rebounds. Why? Because he had vision. He had purpose. Someone spoke life into him and said, here's what you can do and here's how you can benefit the team. Now, church, I speak this to you today because the Holy Spirit wants to give you purpose. You are a part of the body of Christ. What you do matters. And, and whether or not you're successful at it, it matters because you are a vital part. You are a vital part and the Holy Spirit does not want you struggling with your own personal life. He wants to empower you so that you can be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. He wants to use you. You are part of this movement, but you have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. You've got to be empowered. And all it takes, I told you that I finally figured it out. I mean, it, it, it took me years, but I finally figured it out. I receive salvation by faith. I don't have to do anything. I just have to believe it. I receive salvation by faith, not by my own works, by faith. You have to receive the Holy Spirit by faith. It's not complicated. It's not hard. Man, when I was a kid, they used to make us pray in the altar, and some were saying, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. Others saying, let go, let go, let go. It's, it's, it's confusing. I don't know what to do right now. No. You just, you just have to just receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Just, just create some space. Push, push other things back. Push habits back. Create some space and say, God, I'm hungry for you. And, and, and I'll just pray until you fill me. And when you fill me, I'm not going to be satisfied because I'm going to want more. Because I'm telling you, once you taste the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, you will want him working in your life every day, daily. It's got, it's got to be prayed every day. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And so I don't complicate this process at all. But I invite you right now. This is about to be life-changing for some of you. Because as the Holy Spirit is faithful and fills you and baptizes you, you're going to overcome some of those struggles just like 16-year-old Rocky did. He's going to give you power for living which in turn is going to give you power to fulfill your calling and your role in the body of Christ. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.